Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 81st episode. Again, I'm joined by Andy, our tech guy at GPS Training. So welcome, Andy, to this month's podcast. Have you been up to much over the last month? I've been testing, um, should I say, some equipment more to do with clothing and backpacks to do with some long distance challenges coming up in the summer so I've just been sort of getting out further distances uh, building up my distances across the hills but trying um, different rucksacks and various things I've gotten more to do with trail running trainers just to see what works best in readiness for the summer Very which I know is a long way away but it's, we've got to prepare it's not a long way away it's not far to go five months Andy before the spine challenge race this year that's it yep so just getting really to grips with equipment that I've changed from last year just to find what works best and make sure way before the event that I've got the right backpack, the right trainers and the rest of the clothing really. So that's what I've been doing the last month, lots of trail runs. And it's all going well. Good, yeah. Very good, brilliant. So in this month's podcast, we're going to look at how accurate is an outdoor GPS unit and what settings can we adjust to make accuracy a little bit better and what are the other factors that determine the accuracy of an outdoor gps unit we're also then going to look at the new videos we're putting the gps training online resource and we're going to look talk about a special discount code we've got available for you the listeners of the podcast then we're going to discuss the new apple iphone 14 sos facility so again if anybody's used this um, but again initial thoughts on it because it does cross over onto some of the in-reach products and spot products that are already in the marketplace. And then finally, we have Andy's top tips. So without further ado, let's get on with this month's GPS training podcast. The first thing on the podcast is how accurate is an outdoor GPS unit and what factors uh, affect the accuracy and also what are the main settings that we can um, uh, amend within a GPS unit to increase the accuracy on it. So this came, Andy, from an article that we've been reading because there's been quite a few new satellites um, launched, hasn't there, for the main satellite, satellite um, systems. systems, really, yeah. aren't there? So do you want to quickly just go over the main systems that we uh, currently use um, in the world of outdoor GPS navigation? Yeah. So in a handheld device, um, older, older devices always use GPS, the American system, a global positioning system. And then as we started getting to, into newer devices a number of years ago, we found we moved into GLONASS, the Russian system. So devices would let you lock onto GPS and GLONASS, and then lately, the, the newer units we tend to find also have the option for the European satellites, Galileo. And then thrown into the mix with that is we now have something called multiband. Or it often gets named as dual frequency, which we're going to talk about. So that then comes into the mix. So really, the three main satellites that we look at, this is in Europe when we're looking at our European GPS devices. I know there is other satellite systems out there in Asia etc but for concentrating on sort of europe and the american side of things we've got gps the american system glonass the russian and galileo the european system and roughly how many satellites are in each of these 
groups as such within because again they're not fixed satellites in the sky like a, a sky dish is they are moving across the uh the, the so the we've sky, got these satellites orbit orbiting in space round round earth and what you'll find is the the operators will have a number of satellites up there but some won't be in operation they'll be what they call spares and backup and we're doing a bit more research which i've done the last few weeks you'll find obviously there there'll be a lifespan of some of the satellites they're not there forever so there's new ones being put up so this data was current from some of the articles i found from the latter end of last year but of course it does change or will change all the time so when we looked at the american system the gps system the last check that i could find they were saying there was 31 satellites in orbit and 24 of those were operational they actually give a figure of 95 percent of the time there's 24 in operation and some of these are being updated aren't they at the moment i think the americans are launching some new ones at the moment i don't know if we'll be able to use them um, but they're kind of moving more onto dual frequency where the initial ones were just single frequency. Yeah, so I was going to, t- I'll talk a little bit more when we get into this about the accuracy, about the new dual frequency that we're seeing. So with the American system, the GPS system, f- as of March 2021, so I know we're going back a couple of years ago, um, about 52% of the satellites had this dual frequency, which we are going to go into more detail on. But they're expecting by 2023, so sometime this year, that figure to be closer to 70% of the GPS satellites will use dual frequency. Um, the next one we look at is the GLONASS, the American system, sorry, the Russian system. The GLONASS, the Russian system, they have the last check again, this is from last year, there's 23 operational satellites so they're quite an old one because they're just a single frequency looking at the data i found whether this has changed but as far as i could see they're just single frequency the the l1 single frequency so that's glonass the russian system and then the european system which they've been putting a lot of new satellites up so this figure might actually be a little bit higher now um, as data gets updated but from the end of last year the galileo system we had 30 satellites, very similar to the American GPS, with 24 operational. But as far as I could see from all of me digging and research, it sounds like they're all dual frequency mm-hmm. satellites on the Galileo system. Which I think makes sense because as soon as we've been using the Galileo, once the, uh, the Galileo came along, we saw a real increase of accuracy, wasn't it, within the GPS unit, even when there was just a handful of satellites. Because the first unit to utilise this was the 66S, wasn't it? Yeah. And I know when we looked, it would often just be picking up three or four of these, yeah. but these three or four was more accurate than picking up you know, seven or eight of the the, um, the American ones, wasn't yeah. it? It's one of those settings I tend to get customers on courses. If, if you've got an older unit and you've only got the option of GPS, and gps and glonass i'd always say pick you know if you're picking two sets of satellites the, the advantage is you've got more satellites to see when you're in a especially when you're in an area with a limited view of the sky could be in a gorge you know lots of tree coverage buildings etc but with the newer units if you've got the option of gps and glonass or gps and galileo john's right you know we're finding when we set it to gps and galileo we tend to find you know we're not up masses of difference but we are getting a bit better accuracy with the gps and galileo so that nicely moves on to accuracy when we talk about accuracy what kind of accuracy would we expect from a outdoor handheld gps unit that we're using so if i'll be honest i very rarely had them as just gps only so to give you a figure of gps only 
Um, a lot of the time it might be the same as having two sets of satellites because it depends on the view of the sky you've got. But I know certainly if I'm in a limited view of the sky, um, again, the tree coverage, the gorge, etc., I'm not going to have as many satellites to look at. Hence, I would be picking GPS and Galileo or GPS and GLONASS. So if I start with the, the units I have sort of generally tested that use GPS um, and Galileo, I tend to see the accuracy sits around 10 feet or those in, in, in metric, which I should really be in, um, about three metres. Mm -hmm. um, it does change, you know, if I'm in deep tree coverage and I haven't got a multi-band unit, which we're going to talk about um that accuracy can drop a bit but on average i tend to see it around the 10 foot or three meters the glonass is similar don't get us wrong i'm not saying that it's it, it, it you're going to see masses of difference but i just tend to find if i went historically over a year of like constantly doing training courses and checking the figures the galileo does just seem to be a given more reliable and slightly more accurate figure and then if we throw in the multiband which are the current units which are the 65 65S, 66SR are the multiband units. What they're using five satellite systems. So it's aren't just they? the SR, not the not the S. Sorry. So the S will let you pick up. Right. Um, when we talk about um, multiband, we've got two things to look at. We've got multi GNSS. This is where the confusion comes in. We've got multi GNSS and multiband. So when we tend to talk about multi GNS. GNSS, we mean a device that's picking up more than one set of satellites. So yes, the 66S, 66I wouldn't pick up two sets of satellites. But when we talk about multiband, I like the fact, Garmin call it multiband, but out there you'll see the terminology dual frequency. Mm -hmm. And I think that's easier to understand. So if I look at, um, so the 65 or 65S or the GPS map 66SR, on that unit, you can turn on the multi GNSS, so it's the it's the um, the the multi uh, GNSS which is picking up. To be honest, on a sixty five and a sixty six, it means it's picking up GPS, GLONASS, and Galileo. On the standard frequency, which was L one, on the Galileo they call it E one. The differences on the sixty five and sixty six SR. You've then got another setting called multiband. Again, this is the one you often hear called dual frequency. And that means if you've got the Galileo satellites and the GPS satellites that use this other frequency called L5, which is a more accurate frequency. I'll, I'll discuss. I've got some little notes I've made on the research on that, what that extra L5 brings or they call it E5 on the Galileo. That's when we've seen the accuracy down to typically on average eight foot two and a half meters radius but we have seen it i think you're the same as me john you mm. used a 66 sr same with the 65 s i've seen on the satellite screen that go down to five foot which is approximately one and a half mm. meters as long as you've got turned on the multi gnss which on those units means it's picking up three sets of satellites if you're in europe and we've then got the dual frequency which adds instead of just picking up the L1, it's picking up the L5 or the E5 on the Galileo. That's what I've seen. I've seen the 65S on one of our courses. Um, it's actually someone who was doing some tree surgery work wanted an accurate GPS unit. And I went outside the building here with a 65S and we got like a metre and a half accuracy. So there's other things that improve the accuracy. We've not talked about that. There is land-based stations, aren't there, yeah. as well? So should we, we'll come to that later on, Sharia. I think talk, the dual frequency is just something that's really... Um, great what they've done and just to have a better understanding of um just in simple terms you you can do your research look online and if you start looking up information about 
L5 satellites or E5, what you'll find is that was a frequency in the satellites we're talking about. So it's not the GLONASS ones, it's the GPS American system and the Galileo. It was a frequency that's been brought in more for the commercial side of things like mountain rescue emergency services but we're able to pick that up on domestic devices as well and with that frequency the way it works it looks at um, anomalies to do with a signal it's often what you hear you'll, you'll see terminology called like gps drift mm -hmm. and it's where a signal's bouncing off buildings or mountains or tree coverage and with the standard settings the, G the devices are clever enough to try and filter out some of that data to keep your accuracy down but when you do your research and read up about the l5 and e5 it's it's just got a better way that it's an improvement on the the way the frequency works and the way it looks at these potential inaccuracies potentially due to atmospheric effect um, and it basically irons that out so that we get potentially that more accuracy so i think the whole thing to look at with the multi-gnss we're picking up if you can see more than one set of satellites, so depending on a li if you've got a slightly limited view of the sky, I think anyone would sort of realise if you drew that out on a piece of paper, if you've got um, a limited view but there's different satellites you can then view, you're going to get a better... The more satellites you can lock onto is going to improve the accuracy. But I think it's this dual frequency, turning on the multi-band um, and you've got those new frequencies that filter out some of that incorrect data and they're working on a different frequency that's where we're seeing the improvements i think it's great that we've now got you know the galileo satellites and the gps satellites are updating them, them to the dual frequency mm, brilliant fantastic what other things affect accuracy then so when we're i suppose buildings you've mentioned there what other things do we need to be aware of yeah so i think when you're walking with a gps device it's got an antenna on it you know some of the devices have got the high frequency antennas that sit on the top so we know we're typical the gps map units that have the aerial sticking out the top of the montana other units have the aerial normally around the outer edge of the screen i think it's not having where you're carrying the device carry it outside carry it on a backpack tether i know the montana's a you know it's a bit of a beast of a unit put it in a pouch by your side so the aerial's pointing upwards and um, if once the lit unit's turned on locked on the satellites it's outdoors you haven't got it upside down in the bottom of a rucksack that's the first thing i tend to look at how you're carrying it and really just going back to these settings if you look in your unit all of the units you go into the setup and system and every unit we've sold in the last god let's see eight nine years will definitely have an option of not just gps but either picking gps and glonass or gps and galileo may potentially use slightly more battery we don't see a big change if you've got the option to pick up two sets of satellites set it as that it's quite amazing actually because by default when garmin ship out a gps unit it's just set up to pick up gps isn't it and no when we set up the units we set it up to use the different different yeah. um, it was interesting on the multi-band ones they seem to have that set up so everything's turned on but you're right yeah on, on the other units you find um, they normally just set the gps now the other setting we're going to mention so while we're talking about this so Forgetting about the multiband for the minute, so if you forget about the 65 range and the 66 SR version, if you look at all the other units, if you go into your setup and system, and at the top you'll see that GPS, GPS and GLONASS, GPS and Galileo, I'd be recommending, if you've only got the option of GPS and GPS and GLONASS, put it as GPS and GLONASS. If you do have the option of GPS, GLONASS or GPS, Galileo, 
GPS Galileo, as we mentioned, so you're picking up those two. The other setting that you might not have realised is in there on all these units other than the multiband is something called WAS and EGNOS. The famous WAS and EGNOS, isn't it? On courses, I always was proud. I could remember what WAS stood for, but the EGNOS, I always used to just say, ah, to Europe. Mm. <laughs> I could never remember the full terminology. But basically what these are, they're ground-based reference uh, stations that, in a nutshell, if you've got that turned on in, in an area that can pick these up, it's taking that signal from the satellites that are orbiting space and then basically it's amplifying the signal without being too technical and bringing your accuracy um um, down to, to to a better accuracy so we would always have it turned on again you will sometimes see comments about it using a bit more battery not something we've really noticed so i start with the one that's called wow so this again is in your settings other than the multiband units and all the other units if you go setup and system you'll see the, the gps option then you'll see this wagon egg was an egnos is often turned off we always turn it on so the was actually stands for wide area augmentation system and that's the one that really is for if you're in america that's the area it's going to cover um it's like north america mainly now you don't have a setting normally for was or egnos only it's the two of them turned up together so you just turn them both on as one set the EGNOS one is the one for where we're in Europe. That's the one that it's, it stands for European Geostationary Navigation Overlay Service. Catchy name, isn't it? That's why I don't remember that one. I always remember the E for European. But basically, again, it's the same as the, the, the WAS system. It's these land-based reference stations. Now, they are extending it. I did do a little bit of research in some of the countries out of main Europe, you know, going over to, I suppose, like so the Croatia, the Ukraine, those sort of areas are getting included. That'll change all the time, I'm assuming. But basically, if you are in Europe, turning on the EGNOS definitely has an advantage and we have definitely seen improvements. So I think the main thing to look at on your GPS device is make sure you go into setup and system. If you've got the option of two satellites, turn them on. Galileo is our preferred if you have that option. If it's the multi-band one, so the 65 and the 66S R, so it's only the SR version, make sure you've got multi-GNSS and the multi-band on, which means as well as picking up in Europe potentially those three sets of satellites, you've actually got that dual frequency, so you're picking up the L1 and the L5. And I think finally we need to tell people how they can see how accurate their GPS units are, because actually it's yep. all about saying how, how can customers or listeners find out how accurate their yeah. gps units all is. of the units um, which, um in the current ranges and some of the older units you find if you go to your main menu so you know on the touchscreen units you've got either uh, the oregon's was the push button to get to your main menu you've got the house symbol on the montana 700s all of the push button units like the e-trex push button in the 65 66s etc it's just your menu button twice and on your home screen you should see a satellite icon and when you select that satellite icon you'll see the number of satellites you're locked onto which i haven't actually mentioned how many you need so i will make sure you know that figure as well it's not as many as you may think so it'll show you how many satellites you're locked onto and the top of the screen will show you an accuracy in feet on meters depending on the units and measure you've got set up on your unit those you with a multi-band when you're actually on the satellite screen you can use your left and right arrow and that scrolls between the the galileo and the gps and glonass and shows you which satellites you're picking up so the figure for satellites is only 
well, three to give you a position on the ground. And if you're picking up four satellites, you've then got elevation data from GPS. So you only actually need to pick up four satellites on your unit. But usually you'll see a lot more, won't you? Like your GPS will be picking up you no know, 10, 20 satellites, won't it, really? Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting when I look back at some of our old training slides, we always historically would say that a handheld GPS device, now we used to have a figure, I think, was about 15 metres. I've still mm. found figures mm. on Garmin site where it'll quote, an outdoor GPS device is designed to get you within 15 metres of your location. We would often say 10 metres, but as we've mentioned on these figures, we are finding units are getting down to, with the multiband and everything turned on, we're getting down to that two metres, one and a half metres with the multiband units, which is brilliant. Excellent. So brilliant. Nice, real in-depth subject there. Um, actually, some of these notes I'll put in the uh, the notes for the podcast because you've done some quite detailed information here. So what I'll do, I'll pop some of those in there. And then if you're interested, you can read a little bit more in the in the show notes for the podcast. But again, that's a nice introduction, really, of the accuracy of the mm. GPS units. So thanks, Andy, for that. Next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is a quick look through some of the new videos in the online resource. If people don't know what the online resource is, it's an online training platform we have here at GPS Training. So if you buy a unit from ourselves, you get free access to the online resource for the first year, and then you can subscribe. It's £50 a year to get access going forward. I must say at this point, thank you very much for everybody who does subscribe to it, because actually keeps me and Andy in a job. So actually, uh, it is what keeps us going. So yeah, thanks for supporting us. And I know many of you have signed up and, and just do a reoccurring payment every year, and it is very much appreciated. But... We're trying to, well, Andy's been, Andy's main job really is creating videos for the online resource majority of the time. So I thought we'll quickly give you an update of some of the new videos that you've been creating, Andy, over the last month yeah. or two. So what I find sometimes happens is when a new unit comes out, we'll put loads of videos together. You'll see some of the newer units with potentially got 50, 60 videos. Um, so it's a lot of videos go together when they come out. But over time, Garmin will do software, firmware updates on the units and sometimes I don't realise myself it might be a feature I'm maybe not using that much myself. Suddenly a menu's changed. And even though the video is correct, it could be a bit of terminology that looks slightly different or just a slightly different way of doing something. That I know a lot of customers will just look at the video I've done initially and, and realise the slight change. But if customers do get in touch with me, um, which does happen from time to time, say, hey, Andy, if you notice this video, it looks a bit different in my unit and I realise there's something changed that we haven't picked up on, we'll, we'll change those videos. So kindly, I had a couple of customers just email me about a couple of things that I hadn't realised myself, um, more to do with planning routes directly on units. Um, so what I did a few weeks ago, when you look on the videos, if you've got a GPS map 66 or the Montana 700 series, the section on routes where we show how you can plan a route directly on your unit. I changed the videos and just updated them for those two units because there was a couple of changes. And even then when you went into going back and looking at a route you already had on your unit and wanted to edit it, change the name, reverse it, do things like that, just some of the screens had changed ever so slightly. So I updated those videos as well, the ones to do with planning routes and editing and looking at routes that you already had on your unit. Brilliant. So some of the 
Mon uh, GPS Map 66 series and the Montana 700. So watches, you've done a few on the, there's some new features appeared on the uh, Phoenix 7 Epic. Yeah, so when, when I say a new feature, I mean, sometimes a lot of the things to do with like a bit of fitness data, it's it's something that's very personal. And again, you may just find yourself on your watch, but if there's something like quite big that you think, well, actually, you know, one of our main sellers uh, for the watches is customers doing ultra events, these big challenges. And of course, m myself and John are using the watches ourselves. So when we see something like this that we think, oh that's, that's a good feature we're going to use this on a ultra event that we're doing it's nice to be able to do a video on it so on the phoenix 7 range and the epics range on the last software updates if you use the ultra run activity garmin added a new feature called rest so that when you stop at a checkpoint you can pause the recording so you don't get uh, funny data from your GPS track because you maybe went inside a building and lost GPS signal. Of course, it'll save battery, but it still keeps the timer going so you can keep an eye on how long you've been stopped for. So we just added that new video. It's in both. The, the Phoenix 7 and Epix videos are basically both the same. Even if we only... Sometimes you'll find we've filmed it on a Phoenix 7 watch or an Epix watch, but they're exactly the same buttons and controls. So within those videos for Phoenix 7 Epix, you'll see a new Ultra Run. It'll be in the track recording section for Ultra Runners, this new rest feature. So we've added that video and then you did another update just specifically for the gps map 66 didn't yeah you? actually i should have mentioned that one yeah i missed that one when we we're talking about the 66 i added um just on the 66 um it was a video it probably should have been there in the first place it's like everything you learn and you realize oh i've missed something and um, we found sometimes some of the icons on the home screen on the 66 after software updates were gone whether it's garmin think no let's tidy this home screen up you don't need all these icons so we just added a new video on the 66 it'll be on the first module on the overview of the unit how do i add applications new page menus to the home screen so if you have been looking on your home screen and thought oh i'm sure there used to be a screen there like i mentioned satellite earlier it's not there anymore that video shows you how you can add the pages back in and then the yeah, tying in very much with the OS planner, the the lot of more people are using Garmin Connect, aren't you, on Android and iPhone, which is a way we can transfer data over without with taking the PC or the Mac out of the equation. Yeah. So I have been on the online resource on the Phoenix Seven Epics. There was a new video I added, which was like a part two of a video we'd already done because Garmin were a little bit sneaky. If you're using the Garmin Connect app, this is more for the watches. I know you can use the Connect app with your handheld device, but if you're sending a course to your watch, a lot of you'll have watches that do. This this turn by turn notification and if you don't click this new tab sometimes it's not automatically selected in the Garmin Connect app before you send a course to your watch you don't get the turn by turn even if it's turned on on your watch so where we've got those videos as well if any of you are using our free ordnance survey planner on the gps training home page website page os planner when you scroll down the videos i think it's video six point no i know it is video 6.1 is android and 6.2 is for iphone and we've just updated those videos to show this new thing you need to be careful of if you do send a gpx file using garmin connect to your watch just make sure you touch the turn notification tab which you'll see on my new videos on the os planner videos brilliant that's just a bit of an insight of some of the videos so it just shows we're updating online resource it's actually you it's broke down into units so you log in and you've got a montana 700 there are 50 plus training videos montana 700 same for gps map series same for well all the different gps units all e there, and e the watch 10 e e 22 32 all there and all your watches as well as andy was rightly saying so you log in there there's also a gpx library if people want to download gpx files gpx library of long distance trails and then there's step-by-step -step videos of how to use garmin base cam um, PC users, Mac users, there's so much. Andy, there must be 
well over a thousand videos yeah. in there. Because you, you know, know, when we do the the newer units now, as we've learned over time, you'll find there's a lot more videos. So like the watches, it's only the videos on the watches we sell. So it is likes of the, I suppose the current ranges, the Instinct. Phoenix Seven and Epics, and instinct one but then if you've got an instinct one if you watch the instinct two videos to be honest even though there's some new features a lot of the videos will cross refer you know and be very similar so the current range instinct two phoenix seven and epics there's absolutely loads of videos there on using those watches fantastic so if you're going to go to the online resource just go to our website which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on online resource on the top menu bar we're actually running an offer at the moment, uh, which I mentioned at the start of the podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. And what we're actually doing is if you sign up for the online resource, we're giving you free email support. So what we've found is a lot of people are working through the videos and uh, then they kind of stumble with something or some, say a menu's not there, as Andy was explaining, or something happens. And the problem with the online resource is, is at the moment is you can't email us with the question saying, what's happened here? So what we're doing at the moment for the short term is giving away free email support when you get the online resource. So as you're working through those videos, if you come across a problem, you can email Andy, Andy will then reply to you because you then have what's called a bronze support package rather than just the online resource, which includes then email support, and then we can uh, we can help you out. It's usually just a case of watch this video or watch this video from three minutes in, and that helps you. But so I'll put a link. I'll put a link to the. Um, offer the show notes alternatively if you want a link to it just drop us an email at office at gpstraining.co.uk and just say please can you let us have the link for the bronze support offer and we can email you a link to a landing page you just pop your email in there and it just automatically generates a, a discount code for when you buy it from the website next thing on the gps training podcast is the advent of the sos feature on the new iphone 14 now this is quite an interesting one Andy. i don't know if you've you've read much about this in the press yeah. um, it's, it's quite funny because as people know this i'm a big apple user I'm, I'm i'm i love my apple apple devices on the day the iphone 14 was launched our account manager apple actually rang me up to see what i thought of this feature because uh, we have an account manager because we buy quite a few mac um he rang up and said what do you think of this and at the time it was being said it was just going to be launched in america and we kind of thought oh well it will come to europe or britain or, or um, um much later on and we kind of dismissed it um but on the um 13th of december uh, last year uh, it was rolled out for uk users um uh, and also at the same time as france germany uh, and ireland um the first time I discovered this, I've not actually told any of this story. Between Christmas and New Year, I was out with um, our bookkeeper and his her husband uh, having a few drinks up the valley in, in one of the uh, the the uh, country pubs. And usually with no mobile phone signal, I just get no mobile phone signal. But this time on my iPhone, I got this little satellite signal in the top <laughs> of where I said to my Jay, my wife said, look at this, what's going on here? So I came back and researched it and, and found out um the yeah found out exactly what was happening that, that that this was happening so the first question i really need to ask you the users is if you're an iphone 14 it's either 14 or pro have you had any chance to use this feature i hope you've not because it is an sos function SOS, yeah. but i just want if emmy's used it let us know um we've been through dummy um processes and, and trying it and we understand how it works but we're just interested to know um what it works so the big question really we need to discuss is, does this replace the current outdoor satellite communicator, which are things like the Spot, Garmin inReach devices, where there's a number of them, those, or alternatively, a Zolio? So that's a quick question we're going to debate in today's podcast. So Andy, initially, 
um, going moving onto communication satellites rather than navigation satellites, we have two satellite systems up there, don't we? Which are Global Star and Iridium, aren't we? Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll give you the easy one, which is the Iridium, because I know you most of the products we sell, other than the Spot, yeah. now the iPhone 14 use the Iridium. So, Andy, Iridium satellite system tells a little bit about them yeah i must admit i don't i should i should have been prepared with figures of how many is up there i'm not sure what the exact figure is but the iridium satellite system it's like a lower orbit system that's always historically been used by satellite phones so people communicating two-way with a satellite phone it was done via the iridium system very reliable system it's been out there i know a lot of years i don't know the exact figure and that's what traditionally we find with, with the devices we sell so likes of the inreach and the zolio you know they're using the iridium satellite system for that two-way communication and we always thought the, we always thought the iridium is the premium end of that market iridium it's not the cheapest to use is it it's, it's as you rightly say a lot of sat phones have used them in the past and it's what we use with inreach messages inreach mini ones and twos 66 eyes montana 700 eyes 750 eyes and now the zolio yeah. and it's a really good two-way satellite it's been used for many years reliable um you know we've done lots of reviews on the products we're talking about that we use and found it great so we've you know we've been aware of iridium for quite some time i suppose as soon as garmin launched the the inrich devices that's when we became aware of it hadn't really thought about satellite phones what they were using but it was satellite phones that have tended to have used there may be you other ones using different systems but historically looking at most of the research we've done it always seems to have been the iridium the, the lower orbit system mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then Amazingly, or not amazingly, um, Apple went and used the Global Star. So traditionally, in the past, Global Stars we've always looked at as a budget option, um, and and Spots were the only people who used this. And we've always found with the Spots, it's been good, but it's not been as good as what we found with the Iridium satellites. So when when we saw that Apple using the Global Star, first of all, okay, that's an interesting um, concept, and um, yeah, it's it's it. Well, I've been doing some research, and according to Reuters, Apple will pay 95% of the approved capital expenditure of the new satellites needed to support this service. So, taking on board what I was just saying, I think Global Star was the budget end, but we've come in with the sixth richest company in the world, yep. um, Apple, a, a, a massive cash injection into this, and this is the ones uh, they were they are decided to use. So it's quite interesting that they've gone for this one. You know, you know when you mentioned earlier. Um about the countries it rolled out to, like France, Germany and Ireland. I, I know when it first came out, I was the same as you, thinking, well, it's going to be ages into Europe. It just said US initially. Um, I'm assuming from that, I haven't looked into this, in probably because I'm not the iPhone user, at how many other countries it's covering. I should have said with what we always liked about the Iridium. I know when we first started dealing with the Iridium devices, there was a figure quoted of, it covered it, was it like 97 or 98% yeah. of the Earth? But they now quote 100% of the Earth service. As long as you've got a visible view of the sky, you will be able to send a message using Iridium. So I'm assuming from the global stars, obviously, gonna with all that money going in, it's going to grow. But at the minute, it isn't all of it's the... It's not. Global stars <clears throat> never been 100% coverage. This was always the issue with the spots when it's spots used. If you went anywhere north of Finland or somewhere, it didn't work. You know? yeah. And actually, if you look on their website, it shows the areas that it does cover. Whereas, you rightly say, Iridium, full they say world say yeah. I, I say that confidently. You know, they quote 100%. They wouldn't put that figure down if it wasn't correct you know it's yeah. something that will have been well tested so we have got that 100% coverage and I think this is 
been because we've not got 100 coverage i think because there's less of satellites i think that very much ties into the way the apple uses so it's quite an interesting concept so traditionally with a two-way satellite communicator no let's let's make a, 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 a um a, let's lay our cards down here it's not a two-way satellite communication the iphone it's just an sos simple so a, a sos solution so if you need to dial a 999 call a 911 call if you're in the states you can do that and it goes via the satellite but it's not a two-way satellite communication e.g you can't send your friends a message like you can with a um, an in-reach message or zolio or something like that but the way it is is quite interesting because traditionally we just send a message via the zolio let's use the zolio as an example fantastic but when you press the sos button on the um on the iphone you actually have to point it towards the satellites in the sky it's quite an interesting concept really so you get it and it says go to your left and it and you have this like warm and cold air and you it, it encourages you to point it it must know where the satellites are in the sky due to some software that's on it and it gets you to kind of point it towards it now my fear with this is a little bit is actually what happens if you fall over and you can't point it or you you break your arm or something you do have to point at the satellites it says right i've got a signal i'm logged on to that satellite it then sends and receives the text so it sends the medical information off your iphone and, and 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 it also sends you location you can actually send a message as well of like where you are um like down by a riverbank or something like this you can send those messages uh, within it and the interesting thing of this compared to the origin this actually goes to it, it automatically gets routed to local emergency services so Traditionally, with the Iridium systems and the Garmin ones, it goes to a call center which will manage that a person will manage your rescue. Yeah. But what the Apple, because it's rolled out to such a large marketplace, it actually gets routed to where you would get a text message going into the 999 center uh, anywhere in the world. Now, not everywhere in these countries has these um, ability to receive 999 because so Apple have set up um, some emergency relay centers, they call it, and they've got 300 staff currently manning um, these relay centers and actually it's quite interesting because on some other apple devices um there was some press coverage before christmas where there was some impact um, um notifications so on some of the apple watches if you have an accident it automatically notifies the emergency services and in places in america the emergency service gets so overwhelmed by these messages they actually were asking people to switch them off. Um, I think you read that article yeah, as well. Yeah, which is not great. Uh, You've got an SOS and been told not to use yeah, it. Yeah, because, which it, is a bit worrying. because it's suddenly gone out to such a mass market. Yeah. And, and well, in positive thing for us to use, it's free, but actually, therefore, everybody's pressing it. It's not like, hey, I'll go for a few beers down the big market on Saturday night and why don't I try using this thing and see what happens? Well, actually, you know, get the emergency service, you get overwhelmed by it. So it's quite interesting to see how this was. That's why I said, Initially, if enemies use this, I would love to hear of real-life scenarios where this has happened. I have also seen some videos of people when they're not pointing at the satellites, and it does eventually get through, but it's got to wait for one of the satellites to come through its orbit. As we were discussing with our navigational satellites, they do move around the country, sorry, around the world, don't they? Do you know when, <clears throat> I know you haven't had to press it yet in real life, and hopefully you don't need to, but when you press the SOS button on the iPhone 14 and it's received by the method you've mentioned, <clears throat> do you get a message back 
on the iPhone to say they're on their way? I honestly don't know. At the moment, it goes through a dummy process. It says it's sending this information. You can send this information. So I don't know if you are receiving information back. Uh, Again, you can run through a dummy procedure, and that's what we've done. Again, we've done an article on the website. I've screenshot that um, as me going through the process of it. Um, But again, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure what that process is. I honestly, I, I'm assuming it doesn't because yeah. if, if the emergency services have been overwhelmed, surely they can't classify which ones are legit and which ones yeah. aren't. But again, we'll see what, what happens. Mm-hmm. I keep going back to this. This is the seventh richest company in the world doing this. So actually, I suspect things will change, will change um, yeah. going forward. So it'll be quite interesting to see what happens um, yeah. in relation to that. That's my main, I mean, you know, myself, I've got a, an in-reach device. I've used the Zolio as well. And I love the fact that I know if I did have to press the SOS button that, you know, on the in-reach device, I'll get a message directly on the device from the, you know, the International Emergency Response Coordination Centre that manage it to tell me what's happening and update me. And even with the Zolio, yes, you haven't got a screen on the Zolio, but it comes through to the app on your phone. So the phone doesn't need mobile data, but you're going to get that message back. And that's, I lo- you know, I remember when you first had the spot devices and looking at them myself a few years ago, I know they work really well and people use them, but I always thought if I've got something happening and I'm in that tricky situation, or I've found someone in a situation, I think that peace of mind of having a message come back, keeping you updated. Well, as this is a subject I've looked quite a bit, I, I never forget a number of years ago, I read this with someone on the spot. Somebody and, um, was out in a four-wheel drive, um, got their vehicle stuck. Um, I, I don't know, it was an SOS situation, but again, press the SOS button on the spot. And I read an article that after, after two and a half days of not being rescued, they walked out and got themselves out of the situation because they didn't know what was going on. Where we have got case studies on our website from actually a customer walking the um, up in Scotland, I think it was the Great Wrath Trail. I don't know oh, if that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. He, he was actually on one of my courses. Anyway, I, I bumped into somewhere and he broke his leg remember right he pressed yeah. the sos button and he 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 you got all the updates to say yeah. that it was the the helicopter where when it was going to land how far away it was um they then i mean the other thing is they send messages to yeah yeah um next of kin people you've put down as your emergency contacts or his wife then got a message to say oh your husband you know he's pressed the sos button don't worry we're we're on my way we're going to be here at this time to get him this is where he's going so i think it's just that that's why we call it a two-way communicator you send the sos and on the zolio and the garmin inreaches you're getting either via the app or on the inreaches directly on the unit as well a message back to inform you so you know for peace of mind when you've sent it that someone's got that message you Mm. know well the gentleman there was talking about actually got airlifted remember right he got airlifted to inverness hospital i think it was and 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 and, yeah it it literally he 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 emailed us with a fantastic article which is actually on our website and that shows that two two two-way satellite communication rather than the apple snore at the moment where what's happening when those happen then that so many of those calls are, are, are they being brushed brushed to one side where with the zolio and the in reach and the spot well not less of the spot actually we're paying a subscription yeah. we're getting a service aren't we i mean you know if you've got someone on the phone why not i'm not saying it's a yeah. bad you know of course it's it's a good thing but i think it's saying you know the other devices you know that we sell it's not just the sos we've got all that you know just letting a family member know you need some help but it's not an sos you can message a family member with no mobile mm-hmm. hey i've you know i've my bike's field i've got a puncher i'm miles away from anywhere it's not life or death i can't really I want a police or ambulance to come out and rescue us because my bike's got a puncher but can you come and pick us up and mm-hmm. i think you know we, we love those features that you're using satellites for just messaging that sort of mm-hmm. message so it's yeah. funny really because actually when, when it's out at the mass market 
an SOS to you maybe is a different SOS than me. Do you know, actually, yeah. you might be, you know, I'm cycling, I've got no mobile phone signal, I've got a punch it, but I'm only half a mile from the local village. Yeah. Is that an SOS? To me, us, it's not an SOS. No. So you push your bike that <laughs> half a mile me, yeah. and you get there and <laughs> find the pub and hope somebody's got a punch of repair kit. But actually, in if somebody's got an iPhone 14 and, and they're not used to and they're kind of, they're, they're lost, you know, half a mile off a, off, a, off a path and they're unused, they're not used to being in the countryside or something. Is that an SOS to I think that really? was, a lot of the articles I've read was, again, when you were saying about it overwhelmed people, it wasn't the, necessarily the issues with the, uh, um, that signal where it thinks you've had an accident. It was people just press, oh, it's, it's this new thing. Yeah, someone's not right, my car's broken down, um, things like that. But mm-hmm. they weren't in the middle of nowhere. Now, I totally understand if someone's in the middle of absolutely nowhere, miles from anywhere, you can't just walk to a garage and that. I know Garmin have always said the inReach could be used for, for that. But again, the beauty is, You've got the two ways. So if they message you back, they'll say what's happened and you're going to reply back. Well, it's not that I'm, someone's having a heart attack or broke a leg. I'm in a situation where I'm 50 miles from anywhere and a car's got this problem. They will deal with that. And then they know they're not then going to send search and rescue and ambulances. You know, that's the beauty of being able to reply back with you know what the problem is you know and using it sensibly and the other thing as well which i think at the moment i'm struggling my head around is as we know with the inreach and the zolio products is we put our insurance details in there as well because actually you may need to go back onto an insurance policy if you are hiking in france and actually something happens especially now i left the eu yeah so they will need your insurance details to 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 yeah. respond to that and that's what you need to put within the inreach technology software um to do that again with an iphone if i'm in france and i press the sos button well actually who's now going to pay for my rescue and again this is something that in my other hobby motorcycling uh, people don't know i go and do track days around in europe on, on motorbikes no when we were part of the eu my motorbike insurance was 50 pounds for mm-hmm. track days now it's 250 pounds that's because actually Europe wants nothing to do with yeah. us and therefore it will all come off my insurance so again just things to be aware of, which again with the apple i get an sos i'm in france actually you know what who's going to pay for that rescue so some of the things to be um into but it's an interesting concept i'm really interested in no names using it or has used it and what response they got from it i think it's just the start of a debate i've actually put an article together on the website um which actually got 10 videos in this article, which I, I looked at the whole subject. So um, I know Andy, actually, I got you to go and press SOS buttons on all different products, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Just to see uh, exactly what happened. Just I, to I, show what you do yeah. when you press that. that how easy it is to press it yeah. and i think we just did a very brief sort of us like what what's happening when you press it you can cancel it if you make a mistake yeah i mean yeah you did research how to cancel it before it went all the way through you because yeah, i was pressing buttons thinking right i know it's got a countdown timer but is it going to work am i going to get told off here for getting mountain rescue no but to be honest I, I knew that all the devices that we sell there's a method where if you've accidentally pressed it which is quite you know they're all protected by a little flap which you'll see on the videos but you can actually if you realize that someone's been pressed and it shouldn't have been and um, you can cancel it I, I remember when i first got the enriched device and i had my inquisitive uh, daughter who was probably about six or seven at the time oh what's this i'll undo this little flap here and try and press this button uh, luckily i managed to stop a bit there would have been a way i could cancel it mm-hmm. so yeah and there's also i say the screen grab of me pressing the sos on the uh, going through a demo on the iphone as well so you can see how you can need to point at the sky it's, it's fascinating and there's also some videos there about the different satellite systems that we discuss so you want to see that um, article just go to our website which is gpstraining.co.uk click on product reviews on the top and the article is called iphone 40 sos tracking 
versus Garmin Inreach, Zolio and Spot Outdoor Trackers. But again, please leave a comment under the article. If you say if you have any experience with it, let us know. It's very much the start of an article. It's quite a long article already. I'm, I'm interested to learn more about it and understand if it is something that outdoor users like ourselves uh, can utilise going forward. The next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is Andy's top tip. So, Andy, this is not just thrown again, thrown together this podcast because I see you're talking about satellite accuracy. Yeah, again. I always look at the tips to do with what we've been talking about. Um, and just to give you another feature of using the satellite screen that we mentioned earlier, and it actually links into one of the new videos I added as well due to a little problem I noticed after software updates um, on units. So we talked earlier about the satellite accuracy and about this screen that you can find on all of your Garmin handhelds from your main menu. You've normally got an icon that says satellites. So when you go onto that icon, when you're locked onto satellites, it'll show you how many satellites you're locked onto. Actually gives you height data based on GPS, uh, based on the satellites that you've picked up. But it also has a grid reference in the top left of the screen. So if any of you are needing to cross-refer with a paper map. So again, I'm talking about in Great Britain at the moment. Yes, it will display other grid references for different countries. But if you set your unit to British National Grid, which if you bought a unit from ourselves, we normally set it up that way for you. But if you bought it directly from another retailer or Garmin, they're normally set as one of the default Latin long. And that's what you will see in the top left of your screen. So it's just a little tip. If you are looking at that satellite, screen and you're not seeing and you're in Great Britain and you want to see a British National Grid reference to cross refer with an Ordnance Survey map on your GPS devices you need to go into the setup spanner option go into position format and you'll see the option where you can pick at the very top it'll have whichever one you've got selected you can pick British National Grid if you are going abroad, there's lots of other uh, grid systems there. Some countries have their own grid system. Top of my head, I'm pretty sure Swedish grid's an option. Going to New Zealand, I was talking to a customer the other day from Australia where we don't have Australian grid, but we do have New Zealand grid. A lot of countries don't have their own grid system, but they may use a universal one called UTM, um, Universal Transmercant. I think that stands for. Someone will probably correct me on that. But I think the thing is, do your research. If you want to see a grid system, based on the country that you're in at the top left of that satellite screen i'd normally look at the paper maps you're buying for that country i know if you go to france and you buy an ign map that says it's gps friendly it normally tells you it's using the system utm just check that and all you would do on your gps device is set up in position format and change it to suit the grid system for the country you're going into for great britain change it to british national Grid. UTM and Universal Transverse Mercator. That was nearly right. <laughs> <laughs> the universal bit was right, but uh, but that gets. I know often customers will say, "Oh, I've went to Spain. I think Portugal, France, even Italy. I'm sure." Again, it's customers who will give me that information. They've bought a paper map for that country, and when they've ordered a map that said it was GPS friendly, and on the front cover it said it was using that UTM. If you didn't change the grid system, it's not going to stop your unit work, and you'll still be able to see your satellite accuracy and number of satellites. But if you'd left it as British National Grid and say went to New Zealand as an example, you're not going to see your grid system displayed at the top of the satellite page. So that's the first tip. Second tip. Second tip links in nicely to what I mentioned about a new video I've added. What I've noticed recently, um, I don't know why it's happened, I've never actually asked Garmin, but some customers on courses, they've done a recent software update and they've had either one of the 66 range or the Montana 700 and they've said to me, uh, hey Andy, the, the satellite screen is not there as an option on the main page, where's it gone? 
not understanding why it's happened. I don't know if Garmin are just tidying up all the icons you see because you can, the, the, you know, that every icon available is not there. Every application Garmin do have some hidden that you can add. So we added some new videos I mentioned for the 66 and the overview videos. And there was actually already one there from the Montana 700 where it shows you on the Montana 700 on the home page. If you haven't got the satellite icon there, you can click add page and then search for satellite on the push button units, the likes of the 65s, the 66s. When you're on your home page, if you press your menu button once, you get the option change item order. And if you select that and then scroll up or down right to the bottom or right to the top, you'll see an option add page. And then you can re-add if it's not there, the option that says satellite. It's under applications and satellite. That's fantastic. Brilliant. So nice two um, quick top tips there, which very much tie into the first story. So if you want to see more top tips, please do sign up for the GPS Training online resource, which is packed full of videos. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on the online resource on the top menu bar. And finally, many thanks for listening to this month's GPS Training Podcast. If there's anything you would like to cover in future episodes, please do get in touch. And please do get in touch if you are thinking about coming, um, so think about buying a new GPS unit. And if you are wanting to learn how to use your GPS unit, please have a look at one of our physical GPS training courses that we run around the country and also our online one-to-one -one Zoom training, which I think you're doing one this afternoon, Andy, aren't you? So, we are, yes. Uh, you are, I got <laughs> Actually, you know, thinking about it, just you mentioned Kate Rath. I think the gentleman I'm training this afternoon, he's got a unit, um, I think he's bought it a while ago from elsewhere, a bit unsure on using it for Cape Wrath. I think it's the Cape Wrath Trail because I've done a little bit of research and got the Cape Wrath Trail ready to show the customer how he gets that onto his GPS unit, either using Garmin Connect because of the device he's got or a computer. So we'll be covering that this afternoon. With the I customer. see that a lot with the old one-to-ones. It's often people wanting a specific thing like the motorcyclist or they're doing an event or they're going overseas or something. I know you did an awful lot coming up to spine races this year. You did a lot of one-to-ones with yeah, spine before Christmas. I had customers yeah. who had bought off us, to be honest, who just wanted that little bit more very specific link to the montane spine challenges that they were doing in mm. january there or customers again who hadn't bought from us so they were a bit you know they didn't necessarily have access to the online resource and they just wanted that one-to-one -one for peace of mind to go through loading things onto their unit to follow and just the procedures you go through on your unit to follow that route and some of the settings that we recommend in your unit we cover all that on the zooms you mm -hmm. know works really well as well again what happens is you just purchase that on our website but you go to gps training course at the top and then come down to online courses you'll see one-to-one -one zooms what you do is just book online for that and it automatically sends you a link and then you get like um you get access to andy's diary and you can see it when he's free and you can literally book the slot the nice thing is is you can move that if you want to say if something comes up and you think oh i can't do that today you just re-swap it change in andy's diary no hassle and you can just move it as many times as you want so again um get yourself booked on you get yourself access um, and you can see when he's free. And most days you can, you know, it's a two-hour cut, a two hours. So most days you can slot someone in, isn't it, Andy, really? And it's interesting. We always said, you know, if you're different parts of the country and you maybe can't get to one of our courses, but the last few weeks I've had a lovely gentleman on who's booked two Zooms from Australia. I mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. So he's booked two sessions because he wants to cover a lot to do with the planning software. And, yeah, it's, it's another part of the world. The mapping's very similar. It's the same units that we sell. And the other gentleman I had on was Canada, gentleman in Canada, yeah. who I think if I remember, he was coming to Europe to do some cycling in, um, I think it was Italy, actually. 
somewhere like that. So again, it was great. You know, someone from Canada, someone from Australia worked well for those. Even though, bless them, I think one of the customers, it was uh, when we finished the Zoom, it was midnight. Uh, I think that was the gentleman in Australia. Um, but he really enjoyed the sessions and it shows you can do them anywhere in the world. Great, fantastic. So if you can tell any friends about the GPS training podcast and encourage them to subscribe on whatever platform they listen to, that is also very much appreciated. And if you can leave us a five star or a snazzy review, that very much helps our podcast as well. So many thanks, Andy, for joining me. I think I can leave you to have your lunch and then go and do your one-to-one this afternoon. Yep, thank and, you. And uh, yeah, good luck with all the training and uh, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, it's getting lighter in the mornings and lighter in the evenings now, isn't it? It's I'll start running to work. Spring is on its way, isn't it? So. Thank you. So brilliant. Thanks everybody for listening. And again, if there's anything we can help you with, please do get in touch. Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.